You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, founder and principal attorney at Sapphire Legal, Teresa McQueen. Thank you, James, and welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. We're continuing our discussions today on the workforce of the future and what it means to work in a post-dynamics world with longtime HR professional and attorney Mona Shaw. It's going to be a great show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Welcome back to our listeners, and welcome to Workplace Perspective, Mona Shaw. Hi, Teresa. Thank you for having me. We're super excited. So, Mona, before we get started, why don't you just tell our listeners a little bit about you, your background, and what you're doing now? Sure, yeah. So I have been an HR professional for over 10 years. Uh, By training, um, I have an MBA and JD that supplements sort of uh, my background and sort of uh, an HR professional today, um, serving more as a business partner. I've spanned across industries such as high-tech, social media, consulting, aerospace and defense and entertainment. And most recently today, I uh, just joined uh, Pacific Gas and Electric Company. So I work at PG&E currently. And most recently, um, I was working at Twitter in the tech world. Um, and prior to that, Kaiser Permanente and the healthcare world, um, as well as many other organizations. So I'm super excited to have this conversation with you because I think you have such a unique perspective with regard to having this great HR background. Then you went to law school and now you're back in HR. Plus, you've had this breadth around the types of industries that you worked for. So I think you're a good uh, person to have this conversation with. And for our listeners, just a sort of a recap, it's a really timely conversation to be having. Back in May of 2018, the California Supreme Court decided a case that's lovingly, lovingly known in legal circles as Dynamex, which I learned on Monday is actually pronounced Dynamics. I'm sure I'm going to mess that up if I bring it up too much. The Dynamics case, of course, gave gave us, the as a lawyer, right, the bright-lined ABC test for classifying independent contractors. But in the aftermath of that, much has been going on uh, in the background. And as we speak, the California legislature is finishing up a bill to put before the governor that really attempts to codify the ABC test. I won't get into the ins and outs of that, but it has huge ramifications. But I bring it up because my hope was always that in the aftermath of dynamics, that a new conversation would start in the corporate world and and the business world about what it means to work. So to that end, Mona, that's what we want to talk with you about and want to hear your thoughts about what you're seeing in the workforce. If, If we see that you know, is the workforce sort of responding to dynamics and the the issues in the gig economy, or is it remaining stagnant? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's interesting um, seeing how different industries react to 
market conditions, market demands, globalization. And, you know, the, the work culture, the work environment is not sort of that traditional environment that we always think of that nine to five brick and mortar concept. It's evolving beyond that. Um, and it's driven by market demands, uh, by workforce demands, by globalization. Um, and in order for companies to really stay competitive, you know, it would be helpful to understand where the market is going and be able to adapt. Um, so recently, you know, I've been seeing, you know, in the tech world being now located in San Francisco, how the workplace is shifting to a more flexible workplace, to a, a more remote workplace and distributed workplace. Um, so that means people are starting to work from home more. People have more of a work-life balance, whether that means, you know, they're able to sprinkle some time throughout their day um, to take care of their child's um, care needs or whatever that may look like, um, as well as, you know, working remotely fully. And so that's certainly a trend that I've seen in tech. And now it's funny, um, you know, I've, I've come from very traditional industries um, like, like, you know, manufacturing and aerospace um, to management consulting, which is a little bit more innovative, uh, Deloitte that I worked at. Um, and and then most recently at Twitter, that's really innovative and you know has this startup culture, and it, it's been inter- it was for me a, an interesting change to see how this new workforce looks like in an environment like Twitter. Um, but it's funny being in in San Francisco, I'm learning that it's not just tech. Um, that's necessarily uh, adapting to this type of workplace. Um, I'm finding that, you know, this remote workplace demand and this distributed work team demand is also driven by microclimate. So, for example, since I'm in San Francisco um, and a lot of the talent and companies are demanding this new type of workplace. Um, other companies like PG&E, um, which is an old utility company, is adapting. Um, and it's a funny thing when I was um, interviewing for a, a different position, and I I interviewed for a job at PG&E, but I also interviewed for a position at the Federal Reserve Board Bank of San Francisco. And I thought for sure, you know, it would be this, you know, very traditional bureaucratic type of environment and when I interviewed there I found that it was funny that you know they also had a similar workforce because they're trying to uh, adapt themselves to the talent that's coming in and they said you know we have a dress for your workday type of environment we have a plan your location for your workday environment meaning that people can dress differently people can work remotely um, and there's programs to sort of accommodate for this new type of, of, of workforce. I think that's really interesting because I have this this vision, you know, organizations, large or small, a small organization can be a little more nimble on its feet. But you're talking, you know, you start to talk a mid to large size organization and to change the direction of the ship, it's slow. There's a lot of moving parts and a lot of resistance. So I do think it's interesting, but I love the idea that, and I think it's tech-driven, to, in my opinion, this idea to get on board with the, you know, with a new workforce, no matter what your business is, because it is the demand, it, it is what the work, you know, what the workforce is demanding. So it has to do with retention issues, and I think it also has to do with 
being able to get that organization up to speed to even be able to make these changes. is it, You see what I'm saying? Where a company can't really move quickly if it's not up to snuff on its tech side, which is where a lot of organizations tend to lack. So you need to... Absolutely. Yeah, right? Don't, I mean, is that kind of what you're seeing? They need to get those people on board so they can move everything else forward to keep up so they can get a good workforce. Absolutely. And, and um, you know, I, I'm seeing the difference between some where, where I work right now, for example, PG&E, who's, who is open to this idea and does incorporate it. So there is a work remote, you know, uh, a, a workers agreement, and that does exist. But it's not to the scale that it exists in somewhere like a tech company where they started this type of journey almost since the beginning of time. Um, and so it's, it's interesting to see how this will evolve um, in more traditional companies because there is an appetite for it. Um, it's just how do we do it? And even within um, Twitter, where I used to work, you know, there was an appetite for it and this certainly was happening. But, you know, we had to realize that, you know, we, we have to build in policies, procedures, um, and a process that, that's fair, consistent, sustainable, and scalable so that we, we're making sure that we're managing these distributed teams in the right way. Um, so there's certainly some great tools um, and, and processes um, that organizations can use if they want to go towards this route. Um, but it's important to have that in place because there's a lot of, I guess, deriv- derivative uh, type of um, things that can happen if you don't do this in the right way, both from a legal perspective and also from an employee engagement and retention perspective as far as how you manage these employees. Well, r- before we talk more about the practicalities, we have to break, take a break here in a minute, but before we talk about the practicalities, just go back and use a word, distributed workforce. Can you just describe very quickly what you mean when you say a distributed workforce? Yeah, so a distributed workforce can be anywhere from um, someone that's working flexible work hours within the office or outside the office, so somewhat of a split of a schedule. It can also be someone that's working remote full-time, and it also could be um, employees that are either working in the office or outside of the office in different locations, whether it's domestically or around the world. Interesting. I love that. I love the word distributed workforce. Mm -hmm. Very cool. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about the practicalities. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, it's me, the designer jeans in the back of your closet. What happened to us? I used to summer in the Hamptons, and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweats. Okay, maybe I never really fit you right, but I got a lot more Sunday fun days left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. If you enjoy today's show, do this. Share us. Like us. Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. It sure means a lot to us, and it ensures that more people tune in and raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking about what it means to work in the new generation, the new post-dynamics world with Mona Shaw. So, Mona, let's talk a little bit about 
about the practicalities. So what we're really talking about here is whether or not this, you know, traditional nine to five brick and mortar concept, does it still, is it still relevant across all platforms of businesses or is there room for flexibility um, and a rethinking of the concept? And what I think I'm hearing you say is yes, which heartens me. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, it, it certainly is where the workforce is going today. Um, and I think in order to stay competitive and retain talent and attract talent and um, have sort of this inclusion environment, um, certainly what organizations should be looking into and thinking about at the least. So let's start and we'll try to flip the perspective as we address each of these issues. But let's start with sort of from an organizational perspective, what in your experience has been the process that an organization can go through to decide sort of what's right for them? Because I think you, hopefully you'd agree that the, well, maybe not. You don't need to agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it seems to me that it, the biggest pushback when you start talking about flexible work schedules and this distributed workforce idea, the biggest pushback is, well, that doesn't apply to our industry. But the concept I've seen, and we've been talking to a lot of people about, you know, the future workforce and all that, and the idea being that it may not globally apply across your whole organization, but you really should be taking a look at those aspects that could benefit from that, from an employee retention, uh, you know, a a surge in, in culture, you know, a positive feel of the culture. So what's the process they would go through if that's the way? And if if you disagree with that, let me know. No, I I absolutely agree. I think it's um, something that um, should be looked into and at least evaluated. Um, But you sort of bring up a good point. You know, there's two sides of the coin and you know this can go really well or it can go um sort of in a negative direction if um the right processes are not put into place so um i think a good process is to make sure that there's certain eligibility requirements um that come into place for having a program of who is able to work remotely um and who's not and Factors that you can look at and the organization should look at is um, looking at the performance of, you know, that person. Are they able to perform? Are they performing strongly? Um, Are they likely to succeed in, in, uh, you know, an environment um, where they are working remotely? Have they done that in the past? You know, there's also a requirement of, you know, has this person been around for enough, a long, long time, uh, long enough? Uh, for example, at, at one of the organizations, for example, Twitter that I worked at, there is a requirement that employees work one year at the at the organization um, in order to really understand what that com- the company is about. Um, there's always exceptions. You know, for example, if they've been in that position at a prior organization and they've worked fully remote, um, then you know maybe that person would be successful in a remote uh, work set up over here. Um, there's also the right to work. Is, is, does the employee have the right to work in that desired location? Um, so one issue that we were finding when we uh, went through this program is employees would say, okay, you know, I'm working remotely. I'm set up to work remotely. Um, they'd be located here in San Francisco. And then we find, find out that they're working in, um, 
you know, Seattle for a, a few weeks at a time, or, you know, they move to Nevada and they're actually working from there. And that can set up a lot of um, issues related to tax, payroll, um, information security. Um, so having a process where we're able to identify where the employee intends to work for uh, that period of time is really important and going through a process of approval um, to make sure it's checked by legal, um, payroll, corporate security, compensation and benefits. It's really important to have that type of, of setup. So those factors play into pl- come into place when you're setting up a program. Um, it's both the elig- eligibility requirements, uh, making sure that there is a remote workers agreement so that they're agreeing to work in that certain space and the company has knowledge that the employee is working in that space. Um, And also uh, from a management perspective, both the employee and manager should be talking about what does does that work look like? What does that work uh, location, uh, hours, um, conversations look like when they are working remotely? Um, So the process should include all of those um, elements. And then when we go to how to manage a a team, um, that's completely a different story. So then managers have to look into, okay, how are we going to manage a distributed team? Um, Things that managers have to think about is um, how are they going to include people that are distributed? How are they going to communicate with employees? How are they going to deal with conflict? Um, How are decisions going to be made in this type of environment? Um, and how you how do you deal with uh, multiple time zones uh, and make sure everyone's on the same page and included? Uh, so those are some things that you want to build into your process as well. I love that. we're getting we're getting close to the end of the show. I want to know, tell us a success story. Tell us a story where you've you know where you've really seen this work, if you can think of one. Um, yeah, so I can think about um, one that I experienced um, at, at Twitter. Um, there was an employee um, who had just been there shy of one year. He had been at the organization for one year, but he'd been in that role um, for a few years prior to joining Twitter. Um, he had originally moved from New York to join San Francisco because he wanted to be part of the tech world and uh, to be part of where all the tech energy is happening. But his family was located in um, New York, um, his fiance was located in New York. Um, and he also had some um, elderly grandparents that were sick um, that were located in New York that he wanted to be around, that he wanted to, um, you know, once he got married and have kids, you know, raise them around so that they can spend time together. This employee uh, did not meet the, the typical eligi- eligibility requirements of being at Twitter for a year, um, but he had um, great performance. Um, and was, you know, had great mentorship. He even taught some courses. Um, And so, you know, we thought, you know, although he doesn't meet all the the eligibility requirements, um, he certainly is capable of working remotely. If we hadn't allowed him to work remotely, then, you know, his family matters. Obviously, um, we're all human beings, would have come into place, and he probably would have left Twitter um, and we would have lost a really good um, employee, a good mentor, and, you know, a, a, a great person to be around. So um, we're able to go ahead and go through this process of 
accommodating him and allowing him to to move to New York, um, making sure that he was uh, able to come back to the San Francisco location as needed um, and build out uh, sort of a a process for how he would engage. Um, And that was a great success story because, you know, he's not only happy, he's not only so thankful and faithful to the organization for allowing him to do that, um, but he, it seems like, you know, he's, he'd be happy, we'd retain him, and um, he'd be, you know, really successful in, in how he interacts with his, his folks and um, his career at, at Twitter. So I, I thought that was a great... It uh, is an awesome story, story. on mm-hmm. so many levels. I just love the fact that the organization clicked to the fact that, look, there's no need to get into this, oh, no, we can't do that, and then now we have a leave issue we have to deal with, and protected, you know, protected leave, unprotected leave, California law, what are we going to do, how are we going to do it? And they avoided all of that, by just by just being flexible, by saying, yeah, this will work. You know, we can continue. So by doing it, like you said, they kept the, you know, they kept the butt in the seat, which is an important thing from a business perspective, right? But they also kept yeah. a happy person in that seat because they were allowed to take care of their family needs and be flexible and still be a contributing member to the organization. I absolutely love that. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I hate to do this, but we have to wrap up. I want to have you back. I want to talk more about these issues. That would be great. I would love to. And thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed our conversation here. I loved it too. If you want to connect with Mona, you can connect with her via our website at sapphirelegal.com slash podcast. We're ending our show today. So I also want to thank our listeners, my radio angels, James and the Nave at Night and Workplace Perspectives team extraordinaire, our engineer and producer, Paul Roberts, our associate producer, Michelle Hardy, with music provided by the very talented Stephen Versaloni. Thank you all for joining us on Workplace Perspective. And until next time, keep raising the bar. Wow, wow.